You're listening to Beltway Beef, official commentary from the National Cattlemen's Beef Association's Washington, D.C. office. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of NCBA's Beltway Beef. I'm Hunter Ehrman. Recently, the powerful House Ways and Means Committee held a hearing outside of Washington from Schiefelbein Farms in Kimball, Minnesota. To tell us more about this hearing, we're pleased to welcome Don Schiefelbein, past president of NCBA, the host of the hearing, and its lead witness. Don, thanks so much for being here today. Could you tell me more about yourself and your operation? Well, we're a seed stock operator in Kimball, Minnesota. I'm a family farm operation with my uh, seven brothers, six nephews, and we kind of have a diversified operation where we do cattle, crops, and we feed cattle as well, Hunter. Don, tell me how this hearing came to be and what it was like to have all these members of Congress on your farm. Well, it was a little bit more of just happenstance. All of a sudden, we get a call from uh, Michelle Fishbach, Congresswoman Fishbach's office, and she said, would you be interested in hosting the Ways and Means Committee at your uh, farm? And we said, well, you know, we're certainly interested if it works for you. They went through an enormous amount of background information, facility designs, looks, et cetera, before they finally gave us the okay and said, hey, You're a perfect site for it. You know, Don, some of these members of Congress have rural districts, but a lot of them come from city or suburban districts, and they may not have even set foot on a farm. Do you feel like the committee learned more about life in rural America from this hearing on your farm? Well, I guarantee you they did. It was and it was fun. It was not just the congressmen, but, you know, we're trying to expose the world to what farming's like. Right. And so the staff members that came in front of it, were just awestruck by being on a farm and seeing firsthand what it was like. And in fact, as we were kind of setting up displays, we're bringing in uh, square bales of straw. And boy, you would not believe how many staff members had photo ops with them holding a square bale of straw and say, hey, I'm really on a farm. The other thing that was just incredibly uh, enjoyable to watch is we had on display the first ever 1931 four-wheel drive tractor in America, and we had next to it a modern 450 horsepower tractor, and you would not believe the number of congressmen that climbed up into that mega tractor and had photos taken of them in uh, a Case IH Steiger tractor. You know, Don, your operation is very unique, especially with the number of family members that are involved in your farm. What do you need Congress to do to make sure that family farming is a way of life that can continue for future generations? You know, maybe I'm different than most, but I really just want Congress to pretty much stay out of my way. You know, is I want them to do their constitutional responsibility. And that's what this hearing was about, actually, is, you know, making sure we have free trade and open trade across nations in the world. And to me, that's a fundamental purpose for Congress. And I encourage them get involved, get engaged, do that. But for the day-to-day activities, boy, I like it best when Congress kind of stays out of our lives and allows cattlemen and ranchers to do what we do best, and that is raise the best, highest quality, most affordable beef in all of the world. Don, you discussed the importance of trade in your testimony, but could you tell us a little bit more about how trade benefits cattle producers? Well, it benefits us exponentially relative to other commodities, and that's what I was trying to get across to them, because we just don't sell one product, generic beef. What we're selling is parts and pieces of this beef animal, and we want to open every piece and part to the entire world because there are certain segments of the population in the world that have a demand for a certain part of the animal. 
So the bigger the pie, the bigger the opening to the world that we make beef, the better off it is. And if we do it correctly, exports of beef products is an all win game because at home, there might not be very much demand for a tripe or whatever the off product might be. So for me, it was a big push. We want beef exports because it's a great win for American farmers and ranchers. Don, in your capacity as NCBA president, I know you had the opportunity to travel to the United Kingdom. What is foreign demand for American beef like? Do you have any stories you can share? Yeah, and I shared a few of those stories actually with the congressman. And and to me, and this is what every uh, American farmer should hear is, we went to a very nice restaurant one night where it said, we are going to do ourselves a taste panel and decide who truly is the best. We're going to have American beef, New Zealand beef, uh, England beef, et cetera, Scotland beef, et cetera. So we went into that restaurant and we sat down there, made our order. And what do you think the waiter came back and told us, Hunter? No American beef, completely sold out. So American beef was completely sold out. The owner came on over and they said, hey, given the trade agreements that we currently have with you, which are ancient and through Brexit, they haven't been reestablished. We have used up our quota, so we can't get American beef at the levels we want. And he pleaded with us to come back to America, visit with our government and say, how can we get more of that great U.S. beef into uh, the Great Britain? So getting more beef over to the U.K., what do we need to happen here in our government? Well, and that, that's what I told him. And, and, uh, and I didn't mean to be critical, Hunter, but I, as you know, I'm a pretty straight shooter. And I said, we've got to have an administration that just simply engages. There is no engagement right now in trade. And we, we went from a previous administration who was front and center on almost every trade area. How can we engage? How can we get our products to more of the world? Right now, we have a trade group in this current administration that I called MIA, missing in action. Here we have all these people who want to do business with America and they're being stonewalled with an administration for whatever reason we don't know, but they just don't seem to want to engage in trade. And I will tell you this, Hunter, and I guess it was refreshing to have these congressmen on hand saying this, but it was across all aisles that they wanted us to engage. It wasn't just Republicans. It was Democrats pleading with their own president on basically, can we please engage in trade? Don, I'm shifting gears here, but California's Proposition 12 was a major topic at the hearing. Tell me more about your concerns with the Supreme Court's decision on Prop 12. Well, you know, I'm not sure I'm as concerned about the Supreme Court. What I'm more concerned about is here's a new tactic that the activists are going to use to try and put farmers and ranchers out of business. And what it is, is these activists pretend, and I'm using that term very precisely, Hunter, they pretend they're in the best interest of animal welfare, et cetera, but make no mistake, their goal is to put ranchers out of business, whether it's pork guys, beef guys, chicken guys, et cetera. And what they do is they surround this tactic of, hey, we're trying to help animals with impossible means to produce the product that make the product basically unachievable to produce and unaffordable to buy for consumers. So these consumers who are three generations removed from agriculture are approving things they have no idea the ramifications are. 
And as I told them, we're about to hit reality when can't when uh, California finds out, all of a sudden the cost of what pork is going to be in California. And what I tried to reiterate to them, Hunter, is when you mess with the price of food, that is the largest, most significant tax implication you can put on the poorest in America. So to me, it's a travesty, not just for our industry, but for the poorest of our country. Don, to close out, as Congress crafts the next farm bill, what would you like policymakers to include in that legislation? Well, I think one of the things we do, and again, there's a couple of things I like government involved with. One is trade. The other is watching out or putting a safety net around cattle producers. As you know, boy, there's a lot of things we have to battle, whether it's weather and prices and all those markets, et cetera. Anything they can do through our livestock risk protection that helps level out these highs and lows in the marketplace that allow producers like myself and I think everybody to kind of level out the risk of playing this high stakes cattle game that we play now that allows producers of all sizes, small to large, to say, you know what, if the markets get crazy like they did basically three times in the last five years, where there's a safety net around us that we can assure there's a food supply available to the world regardless. Don, we've covered a lot of issues here in just a handful of minutes, and that really speaks to all of the issues that NCBA is working on here in Washington every day. So I want to ask you as a cattle producer, why are you a member of NCBA and why should other producers join NCBA? Well, we have to have someone in who has our backs in Washington, D.C. I can tell you, and, and Hunter, you may agree or disagree, I don't know, but what was apparent to me with the congressman that came to our place, they want to do right by us. They want to make sure food is affordable and available and high quality to consumers. They simply don't know our business well enough to make sure they are understanding what to do. So we need voices like yours and all of NCBA in D.C. letting them know precisely, is this going to help our farmers or ranchers or is this going to be a detriment? So to me, their voice in D.C. is absolutely essential. And I tell you what, when you look at the cost of a membership for what they do for us in Washington, D.C.'s, it's pennies of investment for thousands of dollars of return. So I appreciate all that you do. Well, Don, thanks so much for joining us today. And thank you for the update. I appreciate it, Hunter, as always. This has been another episode of Beltway Beef. Don't forget to check us out online at policy.ncba.org or catch the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from, including SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts.